This episode is brought to you by Upcase. Now that you've mastered the basics, Upcase makes it easy for you to take the next step. Not a boot camp or a MOOC, we're a finishing school. We'll show you how the best developers around tackle coding challenges, what their backgrounds are, and how they got to where they are. Stick with us, and soon you'll be taking the junior out of your title. Learn more at upcase.com. Welcome to Crossroads. Here we talk to experienced developers about how their programming journey has evolved. We ask them about pivotal moments in their careers and what helped them take Junior out of their title. So today I'm really, really happy to be joined by Aviel at ThoughtBot in our New York offices. And maybe you could do a little bit of intro about what you do here and what your work involves. Sure. Um, I'm a developer here, so I work with various clients. I work with each client for probably three to four months. Um, most of the work is either JavaScript or Ruby on Rails, and why we're hired varies depending on the client. Some clients want people to mentor their junior devs, some clients want you to do a significant amount of maintenance work, or uh, making sure that the app is fully tested, or help build a new feature. It, it depends. Sometimes we're in leadership positions, sometimes we are uh, additional minds working with the team. Awesome. And how long have you been working here? Three years. And what were you doing before that? I was in a boot camp. Oh, really? To well, learn Rails. Okay. So I'm always interested about people who go to boot camps because I've always like been fascinated by that experience. What made you decide to go to a boot camp and how did you find out about it? Uh, I was working as a PHP developer. My developer, I mean intern. I knew <laughs> almost no programming going into the job. Yeah. Um, and I'd been doing that for eight months, and I was talking to a friend who was working as a more senior developer, and I asked him, you know, what can I do to advance my career? Mm-hmm. And he recommended going to a boot camp, and he recommended Rails. He's doing Python himself, mm-hmm. but he said Ruby is where the hot jobs are at right now, so okay. find a Ruby boot camp. Okay, nice, nice. And so with the um, PHP internship that you were doing for eight months, take me back before that. Where where were you then? Because you sort of mentioned that you hadn't done very much programming before that point. Yeah, I had done like a 101 course in university. Mm -hmm. And I had just, uh, that was the PHP job was my first job out of university. Yeah. Uh, I had been a physics major. And at some point, I realized that that wasn't the career path for me, mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't sure what else to do, so I tried a little bit of a, of a bunch of different things, and I had some computer science friends, and we worked on a website together, mm-hmm. and I I can't say I was particularly helpful, mm-hmm. but I did learn a lot, and I liked what I was doing, and yeah. so I, Boston, I was in Boston, mm-hmm. and it has a really large startup scene, mm-hmm. uh, so I applied to a ton of different startups. I got very used to rejection, mm-hmm. and eventually there's, there's one startup that I gelled with their mission. I, I love reading, and I also write a little bit, mm-hmm. and their job was to connect self-published authors with reading communities nice, and nice. help them kind of start their career. Uh, So I liked the mission and ended up working with them. That's so interesting. And so do you think that finding a place to land where you connected with the mission was a crucial part for you to learn? So do you think that if you'd landed somewhere else where the mission connection for you wasn't as strong, you may not have learned as quickly? Possibly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the mission connection was was really helpful for me to stay passionate. Mm. But I think the bigger importance that it had was with me actually getting hired Mm. because all of these startups are competing to hire developers. Mm -hmm. And I don't think someone as inexperienced as myself would necessarily have been hired if it weren't for the fact that they were desperate for developers and they needed people who cared enough about the mission to work for not very much pay. And I fit 
both of those. I was, I was not a developer, but I was very interested in becoming one, and yeah. I really liked the company and the mission. Okay, great. So you're in the situation where you've just got a great internship with um, a startup in a scene that you're sort of aware of, and a mission that's very compatible with both your interests and your values. Um, you mentioned this idea of the demand for developers, but also the lack of budget at the beginning for a lot of startups. What sort of advice would you give to yourself at that time thinking about money? Because it's really quite an uncomfortable thing to talk about for a lot of people, especially in an industry which you don't quite understand. It's sort of, I ought to be grateful for this opportunity. And there's, um, it can feel as though you need to just sign on the dotted line if, if you don't really know what's out there. Is there any advice that you'd give yourself? going back to that time? I would say to ask for more most yeah. of the time mm -hmm. um, and to hold your line when you're in the negotiation mm -hmm. and once you get back home, compare the different options that you have on the table and that's the time to be realistic and say, mm -hmm. maybe this isn't what I want, but I'm breaking into a new field, so mm -hmm. it's what I'm going to take. But I wouldn't give that perspective to the person that I'm negotiating with. Mm. And I wish it wasn't that way. I wish that every company I talked to, I trusted them to treat me fairly and give me what was a fair salary mm. based on the company. But unfortunately, I don't think that's the way a lot of companies are currently operating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you think um, having like a very pragmatic approach to negotiation and kind of like having some things that you're willing to kind of be flexible on, but some things that you're not willing to budge on. It's really important sort of outlining those before you go into the room to negotiate and applying that systematically across all of the interviews. Yes. Okay. And something to keep in mind is if you reach that negotiation point, uh, normally that happens after you've had technical interviews and mm. uh, culture fit interviews. So they already want you if they're bringing you to that point. So yeah. remember that when you're talking with them. Okay, interesting. So let's um, dive a little bit deeper into technical interviews, because I think this is something that a lot of people like are afraid of, and there's a lot of myth around what a technical interview ought to be like, looks like, and is like, and how to do well at a technical interview. There doesn't seem to be a standardized practice around this. There's some like blogs about like some companies having very bizarre um, interviewing processes, and others having like very boring ones. Or what does someone who is new to this field as you were coming in from a physics major, need to know about a technical interview. Uh, you're right that they do vary widely. Yeah. You can have everything from data problems to like helping to build a feature in an application mm. to whiteboarding, some logic puzzle. And it's hard to prepare for all of that. So I try to focus on preparing for the work that I'm going to be doing when I'm in the job itself. Mm -hmm. And then I look for companies that have interview processes that test that specifically. So mm -hmm. I like um, being able to pair with someone else on a problem during an interview. Mm -hmm. I like having questions that surround the technology that I'll be using. So if it's for Ruby on Rails, then that tests my understanding of Rails. So that's really interesting. Um, do you think it's important that you are being interviewed specifically for the tech stack that you'll be on or the technologies that you'll be using? That's a good question. I'll actually take back what I just said, especially for junior developers. I will ask questions pertinent to the technology that I'm hiring for. If I'm conducting an interview, I will ask questions about Rails, and I will, I'll expect a thoughtful answer, but not necessarily one that shows that you've 
have X years of experience in Rails. What I'm looking for in an interview is your ability to learn and process new information because ultimately that's a lot of what we're doing in our day-to-day. -day. The technologies we use shift, if not year by year, then every few years. And there's always something added, JavaScript frameworks being something in the past five years that suddenly is almost a requirement to be a web developer. You have to have some understanding of them. Mm -hmm. So we're always learning, and that's what I look for in a new coworker. Okay, great. And around, I mean, it's, it's no surprise that we're in a room called Curiosity, but around this like idea of learning, how do you know that someone is curious and how do you know that someone is like capable of learning or like actively demonstrating that curiosity? They ask questions. Okay. They want to know about what we're doing. When I'm interviewing someone and we're pairing, mm -hmm. we might be working on a project that I'm currently working on. So what I do is I have this bug or this feature that I'm already working on and I bring someone in, but it's new to them. So I like when they want to know about the project, when they want to know about the choices that I've already made with regards to the code that I'm writing, when they look to see are there tests, what's being tested, um, how are different parts of the app fitting together. Cool, cool, cool. Um, asking lots of questions shows that you're curious and that you're willing to learn. What can someone who's interviewing do before they're in the interview space to demonstrate that, either the, through their portfolio of work or through um, their CV or any other things and projects that they've worked on? Like, so let's say I've come straight out of a coding bootcamp and I want a gig at a great consultancy, a software consultancy or a startup, both of which you've done. What do I show on my CV to show that I'm curious and like I like learning? Do I contribute to open source projects? Do I build stuff on the side? Like, What do I do to show that I'm curious and that I'm willing to learn? Both all of that and none of that. Okay, um, interesting. When I'm at a job and I'm not interested in leaving it anytime soon, mm. then I'm not necessarily doing a ton of programming outside of work unless there's a particular issue that I can solve using programming, whether I'm automating something in my home or whether I'm creating something because I have an interest in a social issue and technology can help there. But it's not focused around just the desire to program. That's what I'm doing 40 hours a week already. Mm. Mm. So I want to do other things with my life outside of work most of the time. Mm. That said, when it comes time to interview, companies are going to be looking for that mm. additional work. And so that's when I'll ramp up and spend some evenings and some weekends creating personal projects that are really portfolio pieces. I make them look nice deliberately. They might not be the, the next Facebook, mm. but they are something that showcases the work that I'm capable of doing. Okay, great. Really, really great. Any advice you would give to someone who has actually been a junior developer for quite some time, but doesn't know whether they're ready to call themselves an experienced developer or a mid-level developer or a senior developer? Like, at what point do you make that transition? How do you know for yourself? How do other people know? Like, what does... A developer who is not junior look like to you? Um, a developer who's not junior can start an application on their own, like they have their whole dev environment set up, they're able to start an application, start building features, they know how to test, and they are comfortable looking things up when they run into a problem. They know how to go to documentation, they know how to search through Stack Overflow, they know how to read source code, they know how to solve issues on their own, and it's not that they necessarily are going to be as fast as they might be if they're pairing with someone more senior, but mm. they're able to do it. They're not going to just be stuck if they don't have the opportunity to look for someone else for help. Okay, interesting. So that's a very technical definition of what not a junior programmer looks like or not a junior developer looks like. 
are there any sort of holistic elements that you're looking for outside of the technical? So you sort of define like these are all the competencies that you believe um, make someone transition from being junior to the next level. What other sorts of skills or competencies would you look for in their ability to collaborate with team members or their ability to like listen to client requirements, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, they have an understanding of product for one. Right. And they're able to push back on product demands if they're unreasonable, mm-hmm. either with regards to deadline or with regards to what users need. Mm-hmm. They have an understanding of what users need. They have a, a general understanding of UX and what's important and how to build a good web interface. They are able to mentor people who are more junior than they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are able to have an opinion about the process of the team. So how they do an agile flow when they have different meetings, whether they're having too many meetings. Mm. Um, they have an opinion about these things and they, they talk about it with their teammates. Okay, great. That's really awesome. And one final question is, if you look back on your career, what would you say were the pivotal moments for you and the kind of moments where you felt yourself step up in big ways, whether it's like graduating or finishing the boot camp? What were your big stepping stones in your career so far? And what did that mean for you? Um, One of the first, I think, was when I was still at that startup. Mm -hmm. Um, We originally were building off of just PHP code, by which I mean no framework, Mm -hmm. just a bunch of files, um, some thousands of lines long. (laughs) And I learned what MVC was because I wasn't happy with the way things were currently structured. It was really hard to fix any bug or to add anything. Anything Mm. you added broke other things Mm. because the code base was was too monolithic and too difficult to understand to avoid that. Mm -hmm. So I went and studied MVC and learned a PHP MVC framework based off of Rails called Laravel. Mm -hmm. And it was a startup, so we were iterating on different products. And once I learned that, I built the new products in that and I taught it to the other people who are working on the technical side of the company. Mm -hmm. That was a big moment because I had taken that on to myself. I had thought, okay, this can be done better. Does anyone have a way of doing it better? And I I found out, oh, yeah, web development in general has a way of doing it better. Let's do that. So that was was one pivotal moment. And it was when I had done that and we had been working with that for a few months that I decided that I wanted to take the next step in learning and go to a boot camp. And with a boot camp, I got lucky because ThoughtBot taught it. And so I was able to demonstrate my skills and my learning ability to them Mm. during those three months, which I think made the interview process a little easier. Um, I still went through the interview process, but they already had an idea of who I was because they'd been working closely with me for three months. Nice. Um, That was another moment, and I've been here for three years. Mm -hmm. I was an apprentice first, uh, which is a a great program that, that ThoughtBot has where I'm not, I'm working on client work with a mentor and we're not billing for my time. And it's like another boot camp. It felt like another boot camp. So by the end of that, I had had six months of concentrated learning. And I went in as being billed as a full developer. (laughs) And it was a little intimidating at first because I was around all of these more senior developers. And I felt, okay, I'm just coming out of school, essentially. And I need to measure up to them. And... For a while, it was hard for me to ask questions because I didn't want to show when I didn't know things. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky that they were good mentors themselves. They all enjoyed mentoring. And so they would want to work with me. And when I didn't know something um, and they noticed that, they would come over 
and would pair on whatever it is I was working on. And then I had a few long projects, like six, seven month projects, and each of them had some issues with the process that the team used mm. and issues coming from the product side of things, often because product was removed from development. Mm. And so it had all of its business demands that it wanted to make, but it didn't understand what the day-to-day and the tech team was like. Mm. And so the role I took on in those projects was a little bit more um, project management. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was coding, but I was also helping manage the backlog. And I was also talking to the clients, product people and helping set expectations. And that was another big moment. Those, those two projects were big moments because I stepped outside of my normal comfort zone of programming Mm -hmm. into a, okay, I'm programming, but I'm also working with a company and I need to, um, kind of negotiate for time. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Maybe that's really, really great. Thank you so much for joining us on Crossroads. I'll be sure to point any questions for Aviel directly to her. In the meantime, please make sure you follow us on Twitter at Upcase and make sure you are signed up for our mailing list. Thanks very much.